Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Components. I'm Ren, product marketer at Hereto and your podcast MC. I'm Patrick, CEO here at Hereto. And I'm Jared, lead solutions consultant. Thanks for joining us on our weekly conversation about componentized and structured content. Hope you enjoy this 15 or so minutes of fun talking about everything from data to innovations in AI. All right, let's get into it. This is the thing I love about graph databases is that they're so complicated from the outside, but once you're in and you understand the basic concepts, they're so understandable. They're, they make yeah. so much sense. Um, and if we get anybody from the outside to the inside from this podcast, I feel like we've done a great service to the world. Just putting that out there. Hell, you got me. I'm sitting here just like taking notes and learning. <laughs> awesome, dude. It would make my day. So I really, I, I love this aspect of this. Like, I think that the idea that we can use common language in technologies in this way is just such a fundamental aspect of this, of, of graphs. And it really does, it is game changing in a lot of ways. So you get to a point where you can start threading together business concepts and it's, as you're doing so, you're actually building the foundation of these technological implementations. And I, I just think that that really pushes forward the way that people can work together. Um, and I, I know that you do a lot of these projects. So if you could just spend a minute or two like talking about how that's played out in um, the real world, I, I would just love to hear about it. Yeah, this is this is fantastic opportunity, actually. Um, one of the things that we've seen, um, especially in uh, not just large organizations, but Large organizations are a good example because there's so much out there. And um, not only the volume, but the diversity of content. And I'll focus on content, but this can be applied to pretty much anything, right? Um, right, obviously. So uh, there's so many different departments and business units and, and teams and systems and so on. Where do you start? And that's where many of these organizations are stuck because they don't know where to start or they start somewhere and they end up uh, having silos again. Right. Not a good idea, right? Uh, the beauty behind knowledge graphs and ontologies and really semantic technology is that you can start pretty much anywhere mm -hmm. and then start adding things. Obviously, there's some architecting there. You, you, you still need to be careful. Um, but the, the goal is start small and grow. Mm -hmm. um, semantic model can focus on something very small. For example, it can be focused on a, on a system, one system, and you want to just apply uh, uh, ontology and semantic technology on that system, and that's great. But then tomorrow, you start talking about a different system that has similar references or similar types of entities, and guess what? You can start connecting these things. A knowledge graph allows you to connect source uh, data sources without actually extracting the data uh, or, or transforming the data in, in a big heavy way um, it, it just references where the data lives and you say okay well if I have a, a, a reference to product ABC in this system and I have a, a product ABC description in this system by the way I can connect these things in a knowledge graph even though they're in a separate thing a separate system so back to the to the point of of where do you start and how do you connect this? This, uh, and Like I was saying earlier, a knowledge graph or semantic technology allows us to start identifying the common threads in, a, in an organization 
Um, so you can have content about the description of a product. You can have content or, or data about the analytics around the product, sales for last year, uh, pricing increases, marketing, and so on in a completely different system. And you can connect them in a graph and say, yes, this is the information about this one specific product. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you basically add more and more uh, information about the product, different types of relationship of, about that product. So you grow your ontology. Initially, your ontology was just pointing, hey, here's the description of the product. Great. But then we can start adding a new relationship to, the, the, to that product entity and say, this is the price for that product, or this is um, uh, more analytics data. Obviously, that's... Well, I think a great example here is, is commonly sold with. Yes. Right? Or exactly. like companion product. You can, you can yep. decide how you want to frame it. Exactly. Um, but getting back to, I want to really highlight a point you made a little bit earlier, is that you define this thing for product, and you have price, you have description, yep. let's say you have um, common companions or something like that for mm -hmm. other products, and you have that over here. I think that the key to the thing that you said was that this doesn't create a silo, and this is because of the iterative nature of these technologies, exactly. um, which is actually something which is which is shared with uh, data in some ways, although very, very differently. And this is, this is my, like, if you have like, go to like my bedrock, why data it's because you can evolve data in an asynchronous way, but we're not going to go down that path right now. We're going to talk about knowledge graphs and how this works. <laughs> so another team can come in and they can say, Oh, great. We've got this product definition. Yeah. Well, um, this is all great, but I actually need to add in SKUs for my, um, for my implementation. Um, mm -hmm. And I also need to add in um, allowable discounts. That doesn't run into any of the other fields that are there, right? So, like, what you've done is you've just added to the overall definition of these things. Now, obviously, you can have some collision if you have really bad architecture, which you also highlighted right. in the beginning of what you were saying. But broadly speaking, um, the way that knowledge graphs work and the graph technologies, the implementations work, is you only, add, you only get the fields that you ask for. Mm -hmm. So like if your implementation just looks for, you know, description and for companions, it doesn't even have to know about the other things that have been added in. Exactly. And this allows an organization to collaborate at an enterprise level around the knowledge that they have around the different entities in their organization. And I think that that's really, really interesting. Absolutely. And what you mentioned about collisions, I think this is a really good example as well of, of why a knowledge graph is very important. Um, in, in nowadays technologies. Yes, absolutely. You can have collisions if it's not architect architected well. Um, or on the other hand, you may have multiple versions of that same thing. Let's say a business unit is working with, with this description, but this other uh, business unit is working with this other description. You can still have both um, as long as you've, you've architected and described which is which, and they right. can refer to, to the one they care about. Absolutely. And this is this is the important part here because um, it, it, the knowledge graph technology allows us to combine or unify things, even though these things may be different or, yeah. or talked about differently. Sure. I, th I think that that's an excellent point in that the knowledge graph itself doesn't always hold all the information. Correct. Yes. And so if you have pieces of information in different places, so you have a description that is maybe more oriented towards someone who is uneducated on something and a description which is maybe more oriented towards someone who has you know already been introduced to something mm -hmm. those two things can you know one could be in hubspot 
and the other one could be in Hereto, right? Like so, you have like those two different um, areas for those two different things. And the knowledge graph can point to those two different descriptions and just semantically allow for someone to select between the two of them. Exactly. And this is this is uh, one of the key key themes when, when I started connecting the two in, in my head was like, wait, uh, knowledge graph and, and componentized content is is really doing very similar things because a componentized content, you may have a different version of a description. You may have a different language of a description and so on. And how do you connect the two? Uh, mm-hmm. This is where a knowledge graph helps, uh, but also adds on much, much more heavier semantic technology uh, where you can, so, I mean, yes, you can do it with headless CMS. You can have the different versions uh, of, of the description. Okay, that's that's great. But when you add a knowledge graph, you add this additional layer of functionality for uh, more advanced use cases where we talk about recommendation engines and, and so on. Yeah, I think what it really does is it creates a well-structured um, kind of portal into, you know, what is a multi-system ecosystem for content mm-hmm. and data. And it also allows you to pull together content and data, right? Because, yes. you know, one of the things that I think we see in the, the content industry and also in the database industry is that there's no system that is good for data and for content and for all kinds of content, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's just, it's probably never going to exist and I'm probably shouldn't. So Knowledge Graph provides kind of the, you know, the web between these things and a really um, well-established pattern for interrogating that web. So it, I think that that's where the really interesting part of these implementations start to come in. I like this word, the web. This is, this is, this is hitting me now. And it, it really is a very good example of, or description of what a knowledge graph does, mm-hmm. uh, because you may have the, like we were talking about the, the products data, like the SKU number and, how many you have in your in the warehouse and 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 so on and in one system your product management system and then you have the marketing materials the images the all kinds of different type of things about this same product in a completely different system and the the knowledge graph is your connective tissue your connective layer and if you're uh, querying your knowledge graph you can get all this information uh, regardless of where the information lives yeah, and so I think to kind of cap this off, the thing that really excites me about this from a future perspective is that when you implement these systems right, all of that other stuff exists in other places. But what you're working on right now when you're a content creator is you are just creating the content for the thing you have to create right there. So right. Um, it may be a specific procedure. It may be information about something, but you're kind of just filling in those things mm-hmm. and you it's a it's a very very big change of mindset because you're not writing a pdf you're not producing you know a web page you're not it's what you're doing is you're literally just creating content entries right. and you'll be those in a in a like a, you know a, a more marketing focused headless cms which is kind of the maybe next wave of dxps um, or a knowledge um, base or like a headless style knowledge base the way that Hereto is, um, you know, you're really just kind of like zeroing in on the content and then the web that is the knowledge graph and the engineers that are working on that, they're the ones that pull it together into experiences. 
and it's completely asynchronous. It's a total separation of concerns. And this, this creates the ability to scale the way that we produce and deliver content in a way that we've just never had before. So this really is a new frontier for, for the ability to create content experiences. Completely agreed. Um, scalability as well as um, focusing on, you, on your role. The authors, right. let the authors be authors. Don't yep. don't ask them to do the front end design and how the content is going to be looking. They need to focus on authoring. Um, let the business the, the business team define the business logic behind the, the connections between things. Uh, let the front end UX team focus on that. This is really a huge step forward and a completely different way of thinking. Yes, like you said. Um, so some organizations may have a little challenge with with changing the mindset a little bit. But once you get there, it, it opens so many doors. I think that is just a perfect place to end. Sounds good. Uh, Patrick, thank you. This, this, was, this was great. It's a ton of fun, Yanko. I'm really, yeah. really glad that you, you took the time to come and yeah. hang out with us today. Um, and um, I'm hoping that this podcast generates some questions from our audience. And we'll uh, have a great excuse to have you back. Thank you, everybody, for for having me. I hope this was uh, interesting and helpful and looking forward for more discussions. Content rules, but it can be a lot. I'm sure you've noticed that a lot of these topics are connected, but our short podcast episodes barely scratch the surface. Have no fear, because in the description, we have links to videos, blog posts, and other information that help shine some light on some of the more intense, murky topics. In no time, you're going to have a little bit better idea about structured content and enterprise content strategy. Hope you enjoy.